The upper left corner of the United States is full of stunning scenery. Beautiful mountains, raging rivers, breathtaking valleys, and so much more. But the Pacific Northwest is also known for something more sinister. This beautiful land also seems to be a breeding ground for serial killers and others who perform heinous acts. I was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, and I've had a fascination with true crime since childhood. I'm here to tell you the true crime stories of the PNW. Grab your sweater and a cup of coffee. I'm your host, Emily, and this is The Upper Left Corner. Content warning. The following program may contain descriptions of violence that may be upsetting to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. got away with it. The high school hunk turned gentleman bank robber who had the brains and unfortunately the desperation to plan one of the most outrageous bank heists in years. Curcio's life of crime started innocently enough. A golden boy from a well-to-do family with everything going for him. And for whom everything came a little too easy. Captain of the high school football team known for his Friday Night Lights victories. Catching a touchdown pass, that's a true feeling. How much of that defined who you were? Everything. That's what I was. Anthony Curcio, the line between brilliant and botched is blurred. He pulled off the perfect crime, almost, from high school football fame to bank heist infamy. This week, I'm covering the case of D.B. Tuber. But first, let's head to our PNW town profile. Monroe, Washington is a city in Snohomish County located at the confluence of Skykomish, Snohomish, and Snoqualmie Rivers in the Cascade foothills. As of the 2010 census, the population was just over 17,000. Monroe was founded in 1864 as the town of Park Place. The town site was a trading post used by the indigenous Skykomish people. Park Place was renamed Monroe in 1890 to honor U.S. President James Monroe and was moved northeast to be near the tracks of the Great Northern Railway, which was constructed in 1892. Monroe became incorporated in 1902 and was home to a major condensed milk plant. Monroe became a suburban bedroom community to the commuters of Everett, Seattle, and the east side. It is home to the Monroe Correction Facility and the Evergreen State Fair. Now on to our story. On September 30th, 2008, A Brinks armored truck was parked outside a Bank of America branch in Monroe, Washington. The guard was pushing a dolly loaded with cash into the bank when suddenly a man wearing a blue shirt, jeans, yellow safety vest, work boots, wig, and a painter's mask pulled out a can of bear spray and began spraying it directly into the Brink driver's eyes. 
This caused the Brinks guard to release the cart of cash, and the man grabbed the two bags of money and ran in the direction of a nearby creek called Woods Creek. The man had set up an elaborate pulley system in the creek, so he threw the money on an inner tube, laid on top of it, and pulled himself 200 yards upstream where he exited the creek, removed his wig and clothes that had been Velcroed together, and revealed a completely different outfit. He stepped into the trunk of an awaiting getaway car, and that is how Anthony Curcio gained national attention and the nickname DB Tuber. Anthony Curcio was born on September 1, 1980, in Monroe, Washington. He was a popular kid and talented at both football and basketball. He grew up with a happy childhood. His parents ran a successful landscaping business. He broke many records in football and received many honors and awards for both sports, and he was dating the cheer captain, Emily. During his junior year of high school, he won the homecoming game with a last-second post-corner route. It kind of sounds like his life was straight out of a 90s teen movie. He was able to fulfill a childhood dream when he committed to play football as a wide receiver for his dad's alma mater, the University of Idaho. In the fall of 1999, he headed off to college for his freshman year, while Emily headed off to WSU nearby. But before the season even started, while returning a punt at practice, Anthony tore his ACL, putting an end to his football career and introducing him to the painkiller Vicodin. He quickly became addicted to the pain pills, and even as he tried to quit on his own, he experienced severe withdrawal symptoms and even intentionally, repeatedly injured himself, one time by kicking an oak table to obtain more pills. But the doctors caught on and wouldn't give him anything more than ibuprofen. He funded his drug habit by stealing furniture from the university and selling it on eBay. He made it about halfway through the semester before forfeiting his scholarship and transferring to WSU to be closer to Emily. At this point, he took to writing fake prescriptions and going to the street to support his 30-pill-a-day habit. His family caught on to what was going on and pressured him into a drug treatment facility, which he reluctantly agreed to. He completed a 21-day inpatient program and came out sober. He needed some direction in his life and began his first business called Tony's Gaming, which bought and sold casino tables and other gaming merchandise. He was able to expand his business by leasing a commercial space in the adjacent area for storage. Within a few months of Tony's Gaming opening to the public, the Washington State Gambling Commission and local authorities raided Tony's Gaming and confiscated the inventory, stating that Anthony didn't obtain the proper permits to run the business. Finding himself again under financial pressure, he relapsed and began forging prescriptions on his computer. He came to find out that the raid went down due to the influence from a real estate broker who had financial interests in a local casino. Anthony attempted to hire an attorney on this matter. However, after consulting many attorneys in the area, it was clear that the real estate broker had debriefed all of the attorneys possible so that they could not take on Anthony's case. In retaliation, Anthony and several of his associates broke into the real estate broker's businesses, removing computers, files, and documents from several of his offices. Meanwhile, by all outward appearances, Anthony looked to be a successful business owner and family man. He had graduated from college, married his high school sweetheart Emily, and had two daughters. He later went on to own a real estate investment company in Seattle, where he found success flipping houses. He and Emily were able to move into their dream home. 
However, he was living a double life. His addiction progressed, and so did his involvement in nefarious activities. By the time he was in his mid-20s, Anthony had organized several high-dollar thefts, scams, and loan-sharking schemes, and was also behind a sports memorabilia counterfeiting ring. He had completed four separate drug and alcohol programs, and according to ABC News, he was spending nearly $15,000 a month on his drug habit, which now included cocaine in addition to the pain pills. By 2008, things went from bad to worse when the economy collapsed and his real estate business took a heavy downturn. This left the Curcios with several homes on the verge of foreclosure, vehicles near repossession, and many other outstanding personal debts. With his bank accounts depleting and a family to feed, he hatched a plan to rob a Brinks armored truck. The planning that went into the Brinks robbery was extensive. For three months, Anthony observed a Brinks truck as it made deliveries to the Bank of America branch in Monroe. He noted the schedule, diagrammed the bank camera locations, and noted the armored truck's blind spots. He made estimates on how much money was being transferred to the bank and how much was being removed from the ATMs at the branch. He looked into police protocol and robbery response and the location of the bank and decided he would use Woods Creek to escape. His first plan was to have a jet ski waiting in the creek, but this failed during a practice attempt and he changed his approach. He created a cable pulley system to quickly pull himself and the cache upstream using a connected canvas wrapped inner tube. The final touch to Anthony Curcio's plan culminated when he placed a Craigslist ad a few days before the robbery. The ad stated he was seeking 15 to 20 workers for a non-existent city cleanup project and promised $28.50 an hour. The ad received a ton of interest since times were rough back in 2008 and lots of people were looking for work. Anyone who responded to the ad received an email response telling them to meet at 11 a.m. on September 30th in two different spots in that Bank of America parking lot. The ad responders were also told to wear jeans, a blue shirt, work shoes, a yellow safety vest, and a painter's mask. Follow-up instructions via email asked them to wait for the project manager. So on September 30th, 2008, around 11.04 a.m., Anthony sprays the Brinks guard with the bear spray, grabs the money, and runs towards the creek. Meanwhile, the police arrive to a parking lot filled with men matching the robber's description. He made it to the trunk to the getaway car, and off he went. The story made national news, as this went down hours before the government had announced the bank bailout that included Bank of America, and the authorities discovered the inner tube and pulley system, earning him the nickname DB Tuber. About a month later, a city worker had reported that a homeless man had told him that several weeks before the robbery, he had seen a man drive up to the Bank of America parking lot and retrieve a disguise from behind a trash can. The man found it super suspicious and wrote down the license plate number of the car. He passed it along to the city worker, who then passed it along to the police. The car was registered to Emily Curcio, and what the man had witnessed was Anthony running one of his practice runs to make sure the timing of the heist would be right. When police tracked Anthony down, he was in Las Vegas, and when he came home, the FBI began their surveillance of him as a robbery suspect. They obtained his DNA from a bottle that Anthony had thrown in a gas station trash can, and they compared it to the DNA from the mask and wig that were discarded after the inner tube escape. The DNA came back as a match, and Anthony Curcio was arrested in Lake Stevens, Washington, while exiting his Range Rover while carrying $17,000 in cash.
We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Let's take a minute to talk about teeth. Between my AM love of coffee and my PM love of red wine, my teeth definitely need some attention to keep them whiter and brighter. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about my new sponsor, Smile Brilliant. If you're like me, you're confused by all of the teeth whitening products on the market. But since taking Smile Brilliant on as a sponsor, I've learned that the number one dentist recommended product is the custom fitted tray. However, they're very, very costly at the dentist office. That's why the best option is Smile Brilliant. With their lab's direct process, you can have a custom-fitted teeth whitening tray at a fraction of the price without a single visit to the dentist. Using an exact model of your teeth, Smile Brilliant's lab technicians will handcraft your trays to ensure the best possible results. Simply order the system at smilebrilliant.com, make your dental impressions at home, and return them to Smile Brilliant using the prepaid envelope provided. In a matter of a week, your trays will be back in the mail. As an upper left corner listener, enjoy 30% off site-wide at smilebrilliant.com using code UPPERLEFT, all one word. That code is also good on their other amazing products, such as their night guards or electric toothbrushes. Head on over to smilebrilliant.com today. A brief interruption to let you know about another great podcast, Diving Deep EDU. Curious conversations with all types of peeps. Encouraging innovation, we are diving deep. Certainly education is what we like to speak. Fervent with dedication, now it is time to teach. Check out divingdeepedu.com or divingdeepedu, wherever you get your podcasts. Your business deserves the same expertise as that of a Fortune 500 company. If you need a CIO-level service, why hire a full-time staff member at $250,000 a year when you can get this on-demand service for fractions of the cost? As your CIO on demand, we'll give you the steps you need to take so as to minimize interruption to your business and profitability and provide you and your business with training and education to prevent future attacks. To get an efficiency review for your business today, contact us at www.ee-services.com. And now back to the story. Since only circumstantial evidence connected him to the crime, Anthony bonded out shortly after his arrest. But in January 2009, his bond was revoked and he was taken back into custody after being suspected of witness tampering. All of the money was recovered, aside from the sum that was paid to the getaway driver. Part of the money was recovered through one of Anthony's associates, who had come forward with $220,000 of the cash and was willing to talk to avoid his own arrest. Anthony refused to work with authorities and was sentenced to 72 months in federal prison. He served his time in three prisons, two in Texas and one in Florida. While housed in the Florida Correctional Institute called Latuna, Anthony became close friends with fellow inmate George Jung, who was a prolific drug trafficker and smuggler back in the 70s and 80s. Johnny Depp played George in the 2001 movie Blow. George encouraged Anthony to write a book and put him in touch with author Dane Batty, who he began corresponding with from prison. During this time, Anthony was with two inmates who had assaulted another inmate, and he was held responsible along with them. He spent seven months in solitary confinement where he received beatings, witnessed suicides, had cockroaches in his cell with him, and the cell had no air conditioning and the temperature would get up to 116 degrees. 
On April 4, 2013, Anthony Curcio completed his sentence and a drug treatment program and returned to the Seattle area to his wife and daughters. In 2014, Christine Claridge caught up with Anthony Curcio for the Seattle Times. He was 34 at the time and was mostly a stay-at-home dad to his two girls. He stated that he had become such a hermit that his probation officer sometimes had to tell him it was okay to leave the house. He said, quote, But it's hard. Everyone had such high hopes for me, and they're disappointed and embarrassed. I feel like this will never go away. I will always be known as the guy who did this, end quote. During his prison sentence, he wrote and illustrated over 20 children's books, one aimed at the children of incarcerated parents, titled My Daddy's in Jail. He also released the book he worked on with Dane Betty called Heist and High on June 21, 2013, where he tells his story and promises to try and prevent people from making the same choices he did. He is now a public speaker who addresses youth regarding drug abuse and making positive choices across the United States. For one of his post-prison talks, Anthony visited the football team at Linfield College in Oregon. According to head coach Joe Smith, he said the speech, quote, had by far the most impact of any speaker has ever had, which is saying a lot, end quote. During his speeches, he speaks about his crippling depression and the self-loathing he lived with while using drugs and how his pride and desire for status, prestige, and money fueled his addictions and his crimes. In 2016, he authored another successful children's book about NBA player Stephen Curry called The Boy Who Never Gave Up. To this day, he is an author, speaker, and youth advocate. I will link his TED Talk in my show notes for those of you who are interested. And also, there's a more in-depth podcast on the case called The Sneak, and I'll link that in my show notes as well. And that is the case of D.B. Tuber. This week's wine I paired with my true crime is a can of house wine rosé bubbles. With crisp and elegant aromas of fresh berries leading to lively citrus flavors on the palate. Bright, fruity, and flavorful. Just the right amount of bubbles. It pairs well with sushi and soft cheeses. And I have to warn you that two cans equals an entire bottle of wine, so watch out. Things can and did escalate quickly. Cheers and thank you for listening. true crime podcast. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a five-star rating and review and share it with a friend. All of the sources for this episode are listed in the show notes and at upperleftpodcast.com. You can follow the show on Instagram at upperleftcornerpod or on Facebook at upperleftcornerpodcast. If you have a case suggestion or a PNW wine recommendation, please email me at upperleftpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for your support.